Welcome to the Special Delivery Damn Near Daily Podcast. I'm your host, Special, and on this show, I do one of two things. Either I'm delivering you new music that's dropped recently, or I'm sitting down with artists to break down everything you don't know and should know about their latest projects. This one is one of my favorite conversations. I sit down with Jansport J to talk about his latest projects, Move Me Too with Maylot, and one of his instrumental albums, Pharaoh. We talk about the whole process between both of those projects, and then we got to to talk about his upcoming project low including the super interesting story about him getting ready to release this project and then realizing it wasn't what he wanted it to be and just taking it back and doing almost the whole thing all over again we also talk about the role of producers today and so much more so let's get into it what's going on this is jan Swarjay from covina california uh representing black white goldville and delicious vinyl also known as Transport Yay and Transport Yay. Yansport. <laughs> I had to listen back to the old interview. Oh, my like, God. Oh, man. Good times. Yeah. Just, yeah. I'm sure I was saying a bunch of goofy stuff back then. That's <laughs> I haven't heard Transport Yay in years, but we definitely said that. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. Yep. It's just funny, too. Like, just the little stories that you told. Like, you told the story about how you started to grow the beard. Yeah. There, yeah, was, there that, was like a story about how some old lady gave you her card and five dollars at your album release party. Yeah, yeah. I while wow, you're telling me stuff I forgot about. Me too. Yeah, I that's like, oh, crazy. <laughs> that did happen. Good time. That's nuts. We're here. I'm so happy you're We're here. here. I, it's been a long time. I, you know, I haven't been up to the Bay since like 2012. I don't know how that happened. But as soon as we were able to line it up, I was like, I have to go and check in on special. Because like, that's every time we came up here, we was always checking in with you. You always hold us down. So. It makes me so happy. I'm yeah. so, so excited. We have so much to talk about. Okay. I mean, we got to talk about Move Me Too that just dropped. Yep. We got to talk about the instrumental albums. Mm-hmm. We got to talk about the new instrumental album. Mm-hmm. So much. I think I want to start, though, since it's been so long that we talked, the Move Me projects are really, really dope. And Appreciate I really that. want to get your opinion on them, I guess. Did you ever think when you started producing that you would do an R&B album? Was that a thing that you aspired to do or did it just happen? I didn't know that I was going to produce one, but I knew that I loved Mm R&B. I have an older sister. I grew up listening to Janet Jackson, uh, SWV, just singers of that era, Tony Braxton. So like I had a real appreciation for R&B and I feel like somewhere along my college years, R&B went somewhere else and I just had a longing for that music again. It was really just random. I just, I felt the need to have another challenge of like, okay, I'm doing my instrumental albums, I'm doing hip hop. No, I would love to try and create a sort of R&B that I missed. And so I think I ran on Twitter one day just asking to, you know, connect with any R&B singers. And my homegirl, Claire, that works with uh, Scoremore, she linked me up. She's from Austin, Texas. She linked me up with Melot. And uh, we just started exchanging emails. And that was, God, that'd be four or five years ago at this point to where, you know, we have a good friendship. We've done two albums and and it's like a whole organic process when it comes down to making that music. So. I love it. My question though, does Maylot ever pick any of the cuts or the samples? Or is it all? No. Nice. We haven't done that yet. Yes. But Maylot is a producer. Oh, really? She's She doesn't know that. I mean, she knows that she's a producer <laughs> now, but she's like, she does all her own vocal arrangements. She's very good at writing to the music. Like, yes. 
you know, a lot of the times we'll just get an idea started. I'm sending the beat over and I'm thinking about the work I'm going to have to do when I get the music back. And she's just the vocal production. She just has that lane sewn up. And I feel like a lot of R&B artists aren't good at that. You know, there's there's certain artists that stick out to me, like Mariah Carey. Like she's great at that. Whitney Houston, of course. But I feel like it's a certain caliber of singer. And that's that's what she does. So we kind of play our own lanes with when it comes to making our music. You know, she trusts me as far as production. We have conversations just about life before we find out where each one of us is at. And then I kind of take that inspiration and you know, producing the music and then let her tell those stories on top of it. So No, I think that's dope. I think sometimes individual lanes are very important, especially when people are so good at what they do. Like right. it doesn't need to mesh. Like you do that, I do this, we come together. You should be willing to learn from the other person, mm-hmm. but it's just like even in my own career, I'm not going to tell a graphic designer exactly what I want yep. because that's not my gift. What I'm gonna do is tell you what this music is, what it meant to me, what it was inspired by. Mm-hmm. And then hopefully with your gift, you'll be able to channel that in your own way. And so it's the same thing with working with an R&B artist. It's like, here's the production. This was inspired by you kind of telling me this. And then once you start writing to it, then that's the vision because you're the artist. You know, we're fleshing out your vision. Definitely. Now, I don't know if anybody else caught it, but how did A-Way turn into Too Good to Last? I know with Too Good to Last, I was just drawn towards the keys. So I was just really kind of manipulating those. And then um, with A Way, it was really about, you know, being a sample based producer. It's about where the melody is taking me. And so it's not even so much what they're saying, but it's just, uh, 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 that's the melody I'm hearing that I want to repeat. So, you know, those two songs are different in that sense, but at the same time, they're both just melody driven. Like Mm -hmm. one was overt with the piano keys. That's what I want to chop up. And then the other one was actually singing. But it's me envisioning how you could even play that on the keyboard or whatever. Mm -hmm. So I think what tied them together for me was I want to say that's Heather B., talking about don't what did she say oh the sound clip so Mm -hmm. actually that's her saying turn it up and stuff like that you know what that's actually that's me kind of letting you in a little bit that's me paying homage and being a student jay dilla of course is one of my favorite producers Mm -hmm. of all time and uh one of the things i really learned about dilla is that he was able to brand his his music and his beats with certain vocal effects you hear the siren you know it's a dilla song you hear the bc boys uh vocals and stuff you know it's a dilla beat coming on so me just being a student and wanted to continue that i figured there's a certain there's certain clips i wanted to have in my music so heather b to turn it up you'll hear it on the new album too you know it's it's kind of me paying homage to that so, I love that. That's so cool. And like just yeah. hearing her voice because her voice is so distinct and like such a pillar of hip hop. I randomly came across it like on YouTube. I was looking for acapellas for something and I just heard her voice and it sounded amazing. So I was like, oh, like the tone of this and what she's actually saying, mm-hmm. like I want to use this in a lot of my beats. So, so dope. I yeah. love it. Now, when I think about your 
music i think about there's a lot of things that are familiar to us like you'll hear odb and like Mm -hmm. you just said you'll hear heather b you'll hear richard Pryor. like it's a lot of things that we're familiar with Mm -hmm. is that a conscious thought to be like oh i want to do things that people know or does it just kind of happen i think it's a mix of both i just a very nostalgic person Mm -hmm. so a lot of times it's just me one to watch an old Richard Pryor stand-up mm. or just going through old Dirty Bastard clips and then that's leading me into a whole just web of like looking at his old videos. Like I, I do that a lot and I think I get a lot of inspiration from those moments. Mm-hmm. So I'll pull them in into like what I'm doing at the moment. So it's one of those things where it's just a natural like inspiration to want to use it but at the same time like I'm constantly just being in, in nostalgia so it's like hey this is stuff that we all can relate to we all remember of a certain era like we might as well use it so no I love that I'm like I'm listening I'm like I recognize this I recognize that and I think there's some songs where like we have no clue what it is and right. I feel like that's like a rush for you and I can only imagine how like when we do know it that's like a rush too so yeah. it's like two very different things for a producer to experience as exactly. far as what they're giving the people so. right as far as a move me too, what song was the easiest to make? The easiest was my favorite, which was Push. Every little thing had some beats i was anxious to hear what what she was actually going to record to because you know i'm in la she's in austin we see each other like maybe two or three times a year but a lot of the time we just kind of record remotely and get in together whenever we can but um it's the whole process of me sending a batch of maybe 15 beats oh wow knowing like i really want her to use these two <laughs> like god I, but then we also have a chemistry to where I don't want to tell her what's standing out to me. Mm-hmm. I just want to see if she gravitates toward the, mm. towards that. And if she does, then I know we're going in the right direction. So push that instrumental. I was like, this is the one. I hope she uses it. Mm-hmm. And she turned it into a song that was super easy and like for people to just grasp onto like right away. It's not over overly complicated. It just feels good. Mm-hmm. And so to me, that was the easiest because it was the vision I had for it without telling her. And then when she's sitting back, it was like, okay, cool. Like, we're heading in the right direction. So, That's so magical. I yeah. love it. Was there one that was the most difficult on that project? The most difficult, just for sonically, I would say is the Revelations 8-3. Mm. I love what she did with it. It was a matter of just the mix on the instrumental. Like, I wanted to keep it rough, but at the same time, like... It was a real producer nerd thing to where I'm like, man, is the snare too loud? Like, is the high end too loud? Mm -hmm. Like, but I wanted to cause some kind of distortion. I want that feel because that's what came out of her. You know what I'm saying? Like, it it made her feel like she had to reach into a deeper place and and tell the story about just what society is right now. for me personally just because it's like what she's saying is so powerful sonically is this 
is it good enough you know so i think that was the hardest one really makes sense we got to talk about the instrumental albums we got a new one coming out but i'm still in love with the old ones right you already right. know that with the new one though because there's always a storyline like that's why they're instrumental albums for people mm -hmm. who don't know they're instrumental albums because it's really a storytelling and you go to a place and you go on this journey with jan sorjay and it's right. fucking incredible every time and every time is completely different like especially right. with the last one we talked about odb like those tracks were so intense like yeah. just as odb is so with this one what can we expect this is a crazy out this is you know i feel like sometimes a lot of artists say this is my best work whatever but it I, should be you should always feel like that but yeah. you should also be able to take a step back and sometimes know what it is and that's just for this moment mm -hmm. and um i don't know if i besides soul provider maybe i don't think i ever went into an album with it completely done saying this is my best work mm -hmm. but i feel that way about this next album just because it was supposed to be one thing in that same journey that you're talking about like things were happening that i wasn't conscious of and i had to take a step back and see where it was going mm. it's the most personal album it's called low but it, it really it kind of captures my thoughts my feelings and my emotions about what's going on right now mm -hmm. i feel like right now specifically within the past two years mm -hmm. it's kind of like the most volatile time i can remember i feel like this is what parts of the 60s might have felt like Definitely. the counterculture and all that stuff happening. Mm -hmm. So it's a very unique time, I think, especially as a as a black man to say, like, what does all this feel like from what's going on in politics to what's going on with police brutality mm -hmm. to what's just going on just as a young man trying to still figure out my way and like what I want to do and, and how I relate to people and stuff like that. So somehow I feel like on this this upcoming album, we captured it and it feels like a a piece of time and it's it's crazy because I actually played it for the first time for somebody else who's you know was a graphic designer uh, Tay Butler and he told me exactly what my album was about better than I could say it yes. like I learned more from him and so I'm just really excited to get it out it's the work that I'm most proud of so no but that's what your instrumental albums do like those stories are so vivid that they're undeniable so I'm not Appreciate surprised it. that somebody could listen to it and tell it back to you better than you could tell yeah it. And, and my thing with that is like that's that's always my inspiration going into it I want to have a storyline I want to have a whole idea a whole you know I just need the inspiration behind working towards something mm -hmm. now when it's done and it goes out to the people for the fans who catch on to it and say, oh, it's actually this piece where it's saying this, this, and that, that's awesome. Yes. For the people who are just like, yo, these are some dope beats. Yeah. That's cool too, because I can't be pretentious enough to be like, no, actually what this is, music is all about making people feel good. Mm -hmm. Like, that's all this stuff is. Whether people want to argue about being beat makers or producers or real MCs or rappers, none of that matters. Are you making people feel good? Are you making them feel whatever you want them to feel? Mm -hmm. And so that's just kind of what, you know, I keep in mind when I'm making these albums. There's a, a grander kind of idea at work just for me to make the music, but when I put it out, it's not mine anymore. Mm. It's it's for whoever it's supposed to connect with. Mm. So I think that's so important for all creators, honestly. Once you put it out, it's not for you anymore. Yeah, it's it, not yours. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Oh, wow. I'm going to have to take a second. <laughs> take that in real quick. Yeah. I'm like, damn, oh, man. Oh, no, the, the 60s 
comparison is super interesting to like i remember seeing on facebook like a couple months ago like somebody said you know to all their facebook friends like is this the most kind of desperation and like the worst that you've seen the country in your lifetime and if so like how did you guys get through that and there were people you know who are saying that no i mean honestly the 60s were worse there was other people are saying like no present day is worse and it's really comparable and we talk a lot about how this time and place sucks but there's some really good art coming out of it. And if that's what we get, then hey. And, and that's what I've hoped for. Mm-hmm. Um, just going back on that, me personally, I look at the 60s and it's kind of like, damn, like segregation was law. It wasn't like a preference. It wasn't like, oh, I don't like, like, no, it was a law. That's a crazy time. So it's like, how could that have happened? But see, now I feel like there's moments that are happening now when, you know, not to get overly political, but when Donald Trump ran for office and propose a Muslim ban. That's when I felt like, okay, like the game's over, you guys. He said Muslim ban, like we're done here. But that flew. And then Charlottesville happened and he had one of the tracks, I made the beat right after, oh, when he said, you know, there's good people on both sides. Mm -hmm. I felt so much rage inside that he was able to say that and it was okay and people were trying to like, have think pieces on. I'm like, this isn't outrageous anymore. And I made a beat just inspired by that, like frustration of like, where are we right now? So I feel like there's moments of that happening right now to where it's like, how could this be happening? Whether you're a Republican or Democrat, that doesn't matter, but there's a certain level of civility that's like kind of going out the window. So As as human beings, how are we treating other human beings? Right. That's what it really comes But that's why I like seeing the Childish Gambino video this past week. Mm -hmm. It was to me, you know, there's moments like To Pimp a Butterfly mm-hmm. and this Childish Gambino video to where it, it reminds me that good art is supposed to come from this. Definitely. It's giving me that hope that people are paying attention and they're getting inspired by what's happening. Oh, man. Goodness. Low. How long did it take to make Low? Low took... This, this, this was the hardest album to finish. Oh, wow. I want to say I went from February to October... November, I hit up Fat Beats. So I was like, I have an album for you. Yes. We were turning it in. Weird stuff was happening with the artwork. It gave me more time to listen to it. Mm-hmm. I took a trip to San Diego with my little sister. I heard it in the car. Mm-hmm. And I was scared because I was like, this isn't it. Like, I spent all this time finishing this album. Oh, wow. And this doesn't feel right. And I was scared because I was like, do you just put this out because you've already contacted Fat Beats and, you know, Everything is not always going to be the greatest album, but this is what is this where you're supposed to be capturing time or is this supposed to be something greater? Mm. And I just one day I was just like, no, I have to let them know. Like, you know, I'm sorry. I need three or four months. Mm. It just doesn't feel right. Yeah. And um, that's what happened. So November, I took an extra three months to work on it. And so many divine things happened in that time. And it happened for a reason for me to feel like to go from feeling like I don't know if this is it to this is my best album. It was between you know that time period. So to circle back, this was the hardest album to finish. You know, it actually took about a year, but it was hell to just say like this isn't it, and right. to not know where I was going, but to know that it wasn't there. From that version, I scrapped seventy five percent of it. There's like maybe Jeez. three or four joints that I kept, but I was able to build out something that made more sense to me. That question is so interesting. Like to come to a place and be like, okay, do I tell Fat Beats? Nah, I need more time or do I just roll with it? Like- and even downgrading myself because there was a moment where I was like, this is a beat tape. 
No, like I could feel however I feel about instrumental albums, but at the end of the day, like this is a B tape to people. Like it's not that serious. But at the end of the day, I was like, my name is on this. And, you know, I tattoo all of my albums on me because it's that serious to me. So if this is going to be tattooed on me, it needs to represent. I can't have any question marks about this going into it. Yeah. And so I, I was able to say, no, like I, I got to go back and, and challenge myself. And uh, amazing things happened during that time period. So that's so intense. Yeah, and the, the same thing happened with Pharaoh. We tried to rush and and turn it in. My boy Data One was like, you know what? I just feel like we gotta fix this part. And it was something that I was already thinking. So I was like, no, you're right. We have to take another month or something like that. And then from that pitchfork and all this other stuff happened. So that's why I feel good about this one too. Like you just gotta know when to listen to to yourself, your spirit, and say like, no, you gotta get it right. So, so good. And I think especially nowadays, we are talking before this just about how everything's so microwavable and everything is so fast paced and just intense and pow, pow, pow. So it's like yeah. to really look inside yourself and be like, no, I need more time. And that's okay. And yeah. I'm putting my name on this. This is important to me. And I'm going to take the time. Like, so important. Yeah. And I just, I mean, I look up to the people I sample. I, I look up to the Marvin Gaye's and the Diana Ross and, you know, people who made forever music. You know, like, who knows if my music is ever going to get to that level. But I just want to have the same kind of catalog to where it's like, it resonates with people. Yeah. You know, somebody told me the other day on Twitter, Save My Soul is a classic album to them. Mm -hmm. That's 2011, you know, and like, it means something to them. That's what's dope to me. That's what I want to continue to do. I want to make something that connects with somebody forever. Do you want to talk about why you named it Low? Or are we going to save that for later? Oh, we could talk about that. Name this album Low. First, it was just inspired by a feeling. Uh, I just wanted to be low-key and out the way and doing my own thing. I think I was watching a lot of stuff happen in this music scene, and it just felt like everybody was homies or everybody was tight, and everybody just wanted to be like each other. And I feel like I'm the outsider that's respected, and like I can go and shake hands and all that kind of stuff, but... like. I just like being to the side, being low key. And so that was just the feeling going into it. Once you hear the music, the low kind of translates to a lot of different things. It's, it's either low self-esteem or just being low key or he's being the lowest of times or just that feeling of that or just wanting to be low with all this craziness going on. Mm -hmm. So just wanting to escape it. It's like an escapism album. So. It really has a lot of different layers to it. But the initial thing was just, hey, I, I want to be low-key, mm -hmm. which goes back to the first version of the album that it didn't feel like it was really rooted in anything besides, hey, I just want to be low. Mm -hmm. But what came from it, it all kind of tied itself together. Super dope. Yeah, like even you talking about the inspiration behind it, I can see the different types of low that would happen now that you're bringing it up. So right. it makes sense, a little self-esteem and just really trying to escape it but even when we were talking earlier like the role of the producer is interesting too because right. producers are naturally low-key and mm -hmm. they're kind of almost expected to be but me personally i love talking to producers more than rappers because the introspectiveness and just the way your guys's mind works is incredible so it's like I almost want to encourage you guys not to be so low-key right like, you got to get out there and tell these stories yeah. like you guys got no, stories. i think i think it's a balance of being accessible for stuff like that i just i feel like the spirit of a producer shouldn't be to jump in the cameras and mm -hmm. be you know you know like the old like puff dad here yeah i mean that shouldn't be your 
your goal. Like, yeah. I feel like producers serve. Mm -hmm. It's about serving the record or serving the artist and trying to bring out the best. Like, you're producing something, you're creating something. Mm -hmm. And so, if with that comes, you know, being in front of the camera or having, you know, fame and success and stuff like that, that's fine. Like, cool. Like, take that. You work hard for it. But the spirit should be like, hey, we need to be back here making sure everything gets done. Yeah. So anything else you want to tell the people about Low? We can't wait. Like, literally can't wait. Oh, man. I mean, no, I'm just I'm really excited to get it out. It's been a journey. So I'm. Um, I'm excited to to see it just hit the stores. It's going to be my first vinyl, so I'm I'm looking forward to that, and um, really just touring a lot more with it. You know, just kind of challenging myself to take my career to another level. You know, this, the respect has been there. Some of the credits have been there. Working with Snoop and Dog Pound and Eastsiders and stuff like that. Working with Stally on some new music. Hopefully, it'll be out soon. But uh, the credits and the respect has always been there. But it's like I need to take my career to another level. I need to go and see the fans who have been supporting me for years and to make that effort to hit city to city. So using this album as an opportunity to do that, it, it couldn't have worked out better. To feel like this is the best and to at the same time take that leap. Like I'm just super excited for the fall. We're so excited. And I think that's so cool, too, like, because even how you're saying, even people who wouldn't usually catch the storyline are going to catch the storyline. So to yeah. be able to touch these people and see them and and just shake the hands and make that happen, I think, is just a beautiful just merging of time to be like, OK, here it is. Even you're going to get it. like even, you know, my mom's going to get it. Right, you don't right. get shit like she's yeah. going to get it. Like. No, this one, like we were saying off mic, this one has a feel from the second you press play. Mm. My whole thing is like, I want you to feel like this is some other shit. Mm right away so when you press play the first thing you hear is kind of like where am i about to go and so i've always wanted to make something like that and i feel like i finally did it with this one so i feel like you have before i feel really weird like gassing an album before it's out and if you know me you know i'm not this type of person at all so you should at least check it out because yeah. if i'm talking like this like it might be pretty good but so. even i'm saying i feel like you've taken us on trips before i feel like we've been transported to places before through your music so while we're waiting for this one i would encourage them even if they've heard them before go back and listen to all the instrumental albums sure. and really take those journeys and now that you know that they are journeys remember that while you're listening because maybe you didn't catch it the first time maybe you did but regardless you're gonna want to take those trips right. so i think sure. in the meantime if they spend time with the other albums they're definitely in for a treat regardless if they heard for sure yeah check out pharaoh uh, listen to pharaoh if you like it you'll go through all the other ones mm -hmm. my personal favorite save my soul and soul provider those are my babies but the people's champ was pharaoh i had no clue what that album was but that one probably did the most for me and mm -hmm. my fan base and the pitchfork review and all the stuff i was never expecting came off of that album so if you're old school like me you like movements it's cool yeah you know? no special's been down since forever though so i don't even like movements like that but she loves it i remember telling you this story and mm -hmm. when i think about it i think of that story like i remember exactly where i was i see myself on my bed college doing homework right. turning it on and getting so distracted from my homework because i just took that trip and so it's like when i hear that album when i think about that album i go to that place so it's like right. we're taking a trip with you but we're taking our own individual trip like it's mm -hmm. it's just yeah. nostalgia on top of nostalgia like it's it's yeah. just and that's that's when a lot of people caught on to was uh movements and save my soul those mm -hmm. two albums was when a lot of people kind of heard me for the first time so yes. i love it anything else you want to tell the people in general 
Just appreciate the support. Appreciate uh, being up here. Excited to get some new music out. Um, stuff with Stally is we're working on that. Working with Hit Boy and Dom again. Mm-hmm. Like I said, my new album coming out, and we're just gonna try and hit the road and. We appreciate the support over the years. It's, it's been a blessing, and we just want to keep it going. Shout out to Dom. Shout out to LAUSD. Yeah, the shout people out know, they Curly know. Tops and Nautica Jackets. Man. Yeah. Shout out Dom. Shout out Blue. Pack Div, you and I, Kendrick Lamar, J-Rock, Teron, Aomari. Just everybody J- that was. Jay Davey was on there too, right? Jay Davey, yep. Mm-hmm. Sean Chris. It was a. Casey Veggies was like 15 at the time running around the studio. It was, it was a blessing to be a part of that. It's, it felt like a little high school class that we all kind of were around each other at that time. So. And damn near everybody is doing good. Doing well, like, yeah. It's not that like... That kid is all right. He's, <laughs> he going to be all right. I, yeah, I think he's going to be all right. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it, it, you know, just just makes you proud. And, and for the most part, everybody still sees each other and we're just, you know, happy to see each other. Like, Dom is always a stand-up dude. Anytime yes. I see him, he's, he's got jokes. He's calling me a uh, young Illmatic or something like that. But, you know, people are still regular, which is dope. That's dope. So. Yay, that's it. Yeah. Thank you so much for checking out this episode. I appreciate it. If you enjoyed it, make sure to hit that follow or subscribe button on whatever you're listening on and reach out to me. Let me know what your favorite part was or just say hello. I'm on Twitter at Special Says and on Instagram it's at Special Says as well. Also, if you're in the Bay Area, check out Jansport J at Ghirardelli Square Festival going down June 9th at, you guessed it, Ghirardelli Square. It's going to be such a good time. I can't can't wait. Also, I got to tell you what you should listen to next. If you like this show, make sure to check out Meet the Brave with Monty Draper. It's an incredible podcast where he talks to everyone from musicians, creatives, NFL players, not only about their roots and the milestones in their careers, but the process behind success and the fascinating themes that come with it. Full discretion, I was on an episode, so I'm in there, but there's so many great people that he has on his show. So make sure to check out Meet the Brave with Monty Draper. The link to that will be in the description. And as always, this episode is dedicated to Marlon. Do what you can to stop senseless acts of gun violence.